find in the book of Colossians chapter 1. We'll begin to read in verse number 9. And for a few moments this morning, we'll speak to you on this subject, a prayer from Paul. A prayer from Paul. Colossians chapter 1. And we'll begin to read in verse number 9 this morning. I'll invite you to stand, all those that can, in honor and in reverence for the reading of, of God's Word. When Colossians chapter 1, begin to read in verse 9. The Bible says these words, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that Your Spirit would speak to us and challenge us today. God, I pray uh, if there is any spirit whatsoever that the devil could use this morning to rob someone of truth and to rob someone of what you desire to do in their lives today, oh God, I pray that you'll tear down that spirit and tear down that wall. God, I pray that you'll break arrogance down today. You'll strip away pride. And Father, I pray if there's one here who's truly never been saved, God, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll show them today and convict them of how lost they are and how much they need to turn and receive Jesus Christ to be Lord of their life. And God, I pray you'll encourage the church today. Father, I pray just like the church at Colossae was facing hardships, challenges, and adversity, persecution, that God, we too in these days that are very difficult in which to live will continue to move forward and faithfulness. Remind us today, God, that it is directly tied to the ministry of the Word in our lives. And I pray as we come to a time of invitation, God, whatever you desire to do today in our hearts and lives, it'll be accomplished as we bow our knee to your will. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. And I invite you to be seated again. Remember that the book of Colossians is one of the uh, prison epistles. Last Sunday night, we closed out the book of Acts. Uh, we, we concluded by hitting some of those passages of Scripture that we didn't preach through on Sunday morning. And we find now in the, the conclusion of the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul, he is in Rome. Uh, he is there living in a rented place. He has the ability uh, to come and go for others to, to come and go with him. And so ministry continued. Uh, he continued to see people one to Christ. Uh, through the preaching of the Word, he encouraged, he continued to teach people things that they needed to learn about the Lord in fulfillment of Matthew 28, 19 through 20. But part of that was writing some letters as he was in prison. Remember last Sunday morning we shared with you uh, that one of the things that could bring peace in the midst of the storm as they were struggling uh, last week because of the, the shipmaster and because the centurion wouldn't listen uh, to the testimony of Paul, and they, sh they continued to sail on out. Uh, that there was something that was on that ship that was floating around in the minds and the heart of Luke and in the mind and heart of Paul. And that was the book of Luke. That was the book of Acts in, in the heart and mind of Luke. But also, 
Uh, it was Ephesians, it was Colossians, it was Philippians, it was the book of Philemon. And this is one of those prison epistles that we, we read this morning that Paul wrote as he continued to serve. Don't miss this. While he was in chains, uh, though his life wasn't exactly the way he wanted it and the way that he would have picked it, there he continued to serve uh, the Lord. And I just want to hit those first eight verses uh, as we lead up to verse number 9. So he says again, Paul, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, it was God that called him to this. Paul didn't call himself. Timothy is there with him. He continues to prepare him for ministry. Verse 2, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae. And so he's writing to the church, those who have repented and received Christ. How did they experience salvation? Verse 2, by grace, God's unmerited favor. Uh, we live in a society today where people say, you know, well, I want what's coming to me. I want what's mine. Friend, I want to remind you, the Bible says there's only one thing that's really coming to us, and it's hell. That's what all people are deserved of. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin, Romans 6.23, is death. But because of God's amazing grace, He offers us salvation through Christ's work on the cross. Grace, and then peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's peace that he says just one page over in the book of Philippians chapter 4 that can only be experienced through Jesus Christ. It's a peace that passes all understanding. The mind of man can't comprehend it. It can only be found through Jesus Christ. Verse 3 says, We give thanks to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, We're always praying for you. We're going to read a prayer that he put down in words in verses 9 and following. He says, But we're praying for you always since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of the saints. And that love is an outflow of the presence of the Holy Spirit in one's life. It's, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, you can only really love the unlovable person as Christ loves them through you. And so it's something that it was the mark of growth in their life. Verse 5, he says, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Friend, I want to remind you, we're living in challenging days. We need to be mindful. Again, it's not as challenging as some people around the world are facing. It's difficult, you know, I guarantee you, listen, I guarantee you that people in the Ukraine would love to go down to the gas pump and pay three sixty nine dollars freely at the gas pump right now. They'd gladly go down to the power store and pay for their power bill that's three times this month what it was last month. We don't like all those things, but I promise you, somebody's always already got it worse than you do. And so keep those things in mind. He says, we're so encouraged because of the hope which you have laid up in heaven. I know it's bad, but listen, we've got something much better that's coming. And so what God calls us to do is to just hunker down to move forward to be mean, bulldog mean in these days, and keep moving forward for Jesus Christ. And we've got a better day coming. There's, there's a hope that's laid up in heaven, he says, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. He said, the gospel has come to you, the word has come to you, verse number 6, as it has also to all the world. That is to say, it's God's desire that all people be saved. It's bringing forth fruit. Friend, listen, the gospel brings change. That's one of the things Paul's encouraging. I want to tell you this. Someone says they've been saved, but there's no change. They've never been saved. True salvation always brings about change. No change, no salvation. Because you're going to be a new creature. When the Holy Spirit comes in, the devil's got to go out. And you're going to be a new man and a new woman in Jesus Christ. He says it's bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. And it's not just a, a mental ascent. Listen, 
the hardest cult to reach in this world. And I'll not go through a long laundry list. North American Mission Board used to have a whole list. I don't even know if the website's still up, but there was a website that was fortruth.net. North American Mission Board had a whole list of cults and all their beliefs. The greatest cult, it wasn't even found on there. The greatest cult and the hardest cult to reach is the good Baptist. It's the person that thinks they just give their way into heaven. They just write checks and hand out Benjamins. That somehow just being attached to the church and having their name written because they came forward and signed the card, somehow that makes them right with God. Friend, Matthew chapter 7 says, hell's going to be full of people who thought and lived like that. What makes someone saved, friend, is not that you joined the church, but that you were born again into the church when you repented and you trusted Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. And so Paul continues to to say those those things happen because you heard it and you knew by personal experience, not by mental assent, you knew by personal experience Jesus Christ because he lived in your heart. Verse number 7, he says, And you also learned from Epaphras. Uh, He's brought word. Paul says he's a refreshing word that, that we're receiving. He's our fellow servant. He's also to be a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf who has declared to us your love in the Spirit. And so from that now, Paul is moved in the Holy Spirit to, to record this prayer that he has for the church that's facing a great deal of hardship and temptation because there was a little group that was outside the church that was attacking the church at Colossae, and they were called Gnostics. These were people that really believed in spiritualism. They didn't really believe that Jesus had a body of flesh because all flesh is evil. And so they were trying to teach untruths and sow them into the lives of the church whereby it would affect their practice of ministry and being a disciple every day. And don't forget at this time, Rome was attacking the church. It it wasn't convenient to stand for Christ in that day. But God had saved them. He had called them to live on mission. They were to grow in the Lord. And And all of that growth, listen, would be a direct result of their response to God's precious word. And so Paul began to pray for them. Well, what is it that he prayed off? Well, first off, number one, he began to pray for their deeper understanding of God's word. He wanted them not to have a shallow understanding, but a deeper understanding of God's word. And it's again verses 3 through 6, because they were saved. Verses 13 and 14, because they'd been delivered from the power of darkness. They've now been conveyed into the kingdom of the Son and His love. And that's not just the kingdom of heaven, but it's Christ's kingdom reign in their life. Matthew Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto you. And so just as Christ sits on the throne in heaven, friend, listen, you have a throne on your heart. And somebody's going to sit on that throne. It's either you or it's Jesus. But when you truly repent and Christ becomes Lord of your life, You no longer sit on the throne of your life. You no longer sit on the throne of your marriage. And church family, I want to remind us, we don't sit on the throne of this church. Jesus does when he's Lord of it. He calls all the shots. He says, and so you've been conveyed into that kingdom, verse 14, in whom because we've responded to the gospel, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of of, of sins. So he says, for this reason, verse number 9, because you've been saved, because we've heard all of these truths about you, Paul says, we also, since the day that we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And Paul says, we, we, we're beginning to pray first off for your deeper understanding of God's Word. We don't cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled, look at your Bibles, 
that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That word fill literally means to, to, be, to be fully complete. Now in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18, it's the same root word in the Greek, uh, to be controlled. But here it means literally to be, to be full up. For you not to be lacking. To have all that you can hold within you. He says, our desire is that you'll be filled with the world. You'll be complete. Filled fully, fully equipped with, with Paul says, with the knowledge of his will. That is to know the direction that God wants you to go day in and day out in your life. Listen, the moment that you trusted Christ to be Lord of your life, he became Lord. And so he is to be the leader of your life. And Paul says, we want you to know what his will is so that he can be glorified as you follow him. He says, we're praying that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and in all spiritual understanding. Do you, you know, I did a study and even went back and looked and tried to break it apart. Do you know what the word all means in the Greek? Anybody know? It means all. It's real simple. It means it, all. All. Fully. He says, we want you to be complete fully in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Friend, listen. You'll never know the whole counsel of God if you only study the parts of God's Word that are convenient for you. And that's happening in a lot of churches today. I shared Wednesday night. The mark of the last day's church isn't really that there's going to be a lot of false doctrine that's taught. There'll just be a lot of doctrine that's not preached and taught. There'll be an absence of sound doctrine. It's not that they're going to refute it. They're just not going to talk about it. And you can't obey what you don't know. And Paul says, we're praying that you'll know all of God's Word so that you can be partakers of all of the wisdom and have full spiritual understanding. We understand from Scripture what God's general will is. And, and, and it's clear. As we read and study God's Word, there are things that God says, thou shalt do. There are things that God says, you're not to do. And you know, when I was young, you know, I probably did what my kids did sometimes. You know, I thought my parents were just so mean. And, you know, they didn't like me and they didn't love me. Because when they said no, I said, my parents are keeping me from something good. You know, that I know is going to be good for me and helpful for me. But you know what? As I matured and I, I look back what I learned, when my mom and dad said no, it's because they loved me. They weren't keeping me from anything good. They were keeping me from something bad. And when my mom and dad told me that I needed to do something, I said, like, well, I can't believe they're making me do this. I can't believe they're making... And, and when I would say that, what I was saying was, I can't believe they don't care about me. You know, I know what's better for my time schedule than they do. And so they must not care about me if they're making me do that. And now looking back, I realized they were trying to develop a certain kind of character in me. And when they told me, you will do this, surprise, surprise, it was for my own good. You know, I've come to discover as a disciple of Christ, when God says, thou shalt not, he's saying, I love you, don't touch that. And when God says, you shall, he says, I love you, Help yourself. But see, the Bible says that Satan is the father of all lies. And Satan will cry and come to you. Well, now, you know, if God really loved you, he'd let you do that. And if God really loved you, he wouldn't make you do that. And Paul says, we're praying that you'll have a full understanding of God's will so that you'll know, number one, what his general will is. The do's and the don'ts. And we're so quick in church when we talk about sin that it's a sin of commission. 
What did they do? They had to do something. Remember, friend, sin, if we sin before God, it's not always that we've done something. It could quite possibly be, and I'll submit to you most often it is, it's something that we haven't done. Something we've not done, and we've sinned against God by not doing what he said to do. I know which day in which we're living, you know, morality has been redefined, but Psalm 119, verse 89 says, friend, God's word is forever settled in heaven. And what God says is right and we're to do, it'll always be that way. And what God says we're to abstain from and we're not to do, it'll always be that way. Paul says we're praying that you'll have a deeper understanding of God's Word so that you can know what God's expressed will is for your life. Because when you know what God's expressed will is for your life, then you can do it. And when you do it, you're going to have fellowship with God. To have sin in your life, friend, you won't have fellowship with God. And therefore, you won't have joy in your life. And I've, I've, I've determined this. You know, it, it's not just that because I stand in the choir and look now, but I get to stand week in and week out, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesdays. I've been looking at people's faces for over 20 years now on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. And friend, I'll declare to you just moving throughout the commu- community seven days a week, the most miserable people that I meet and I look at. It's not down at Walmart. It's not in the doctor's office. It's not people who are in line paying their bills. The most miserable people I look at sometimes are sitting in pews on Sunday morning. It's Christians who are out of fellowship with God or it's lost church members. The most miserable, joyless people that you'll ever meet are people who don't have a full, complete understanding of God's Word. Therefore, they can't understand what God's will is for their life. They can't walk in obedience to that will. And then the byproduct of that is they don't have joy. They don't have joy. You can't have the joy, friend. You can't get the joy of the Lord in a pill. You can't get it in a liquid. You can't get it from a food. You can't get it from any other relationship except for one with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the only way that you can have it. And so Paul says, we're praying that you'll have a deeper understanding of God's Word. You'll be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and in all spiritual understanding. That's why we encourage you every week, and it's the last thing I tell you I'm praying for you about on Sunday night. What's the last thing I tell you every Sunday night? I'm praying for your, praying for your quiet times. The joy that you have in your life will not rise above, friend, the time that you spend alone with God. I'm glad that we can feast together on Sunday morning. I'm thankful for the time we have to feast together on Sunday night. I'm thankful for the time we have to feast together and that some of you have to use your spiritual gift and to feed others on Wednesday night. But that won't suffice. You've still got to feed yourself Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and again on Sunday. You've got to do that yourself. That's how Paul was praying that they would have a deeper understanding of God's will. Verse 9, to be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and in all spiritual understanding. For it's in that, don't miss this, when we understand His general will, we're more able to understand His specific will. I'll give you an example. God led my family to come to this church. And He led this church family to call us as your pastor. Can anybody tell me what chapter, what book, what chapter, and what verse that was found in God's Word? Anybody? Because it's not in there. We know His general will 
is for there to be a pastor, a chief shepherd, a lead elder in the local church. But that specific will wasn't found there. But God does give qualifications in 1 Timothy and Titus of what the pastor's life is to look like. So we see his general will of what he's to look like, how his family is to look. And I don't mean, you know, brown hair, one eye blue, one eye green, this age and that, but what the character of that person is to be. But God gives us specific, a general will so that we won't violate that as we seek His specific will. But then when we know those truths of Scripture, we pray for something that the devil can never give us. And that's peace that passes all understanding. So a lot of people sometimes say, you know, it's God's will for me specifically to do this. But you'll find out as you begin to talk to them that what they're saying it is that God's led them to do, it's contrary to His Word, which is His general will. And if it's contrary to his word, friend, what they're saying is his specific will, it can't be true. But if they had a deeper understanding of God's word, they would have never believed what they felt they were being led to because God will never contradict his word. I feel like I'm getting that calf staring at a new gate look from some of you this morning. If you understand what I'm saying, you're going to have to help me out and give me a little feedback. Does that make sense to you this morning? Say amen. That's what Paul was praying for. He said, these Gnostics are going to be trying to sow false doctrine into your life about who Jesus Christ is, who you need to be. He says, I'm praying that you will know God's Word so you will not be led astray. Psalm 119, verse 11, Your Word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. And then verse number 10, he says, As you begin to know that, I pray that you will walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work. And then not only that, he says, increasing in the knowledge of God. He said, not just to know, but to keep on learning. Friend, you, you never, some of you, you know, you used to have more bodily energy and more bodily ability to serve in ways that you're not able to serve now because you're getting older. And your bodies don't work the way they did. You don't have the physical stamina that you wish you want. I don't care how well you eat, how much Geritol you drink, you know, how many, how many miles you walk a day, you're going to start slowing down and you're not, you, you just don't have the stamina that you once had. Maybe one person here like that day, can I get a witness? Somebody say amen. You know, it's true. But I'll tell you something, two things you can always do. You can always keep reading God's Word. You can always keep sharing what you learn. And you can always be a prayer warrior. The point is this, even the Apostle Paul knew that he told the church at Philippi, I don't, I've, not, I've not yet arrived. Paul always knew there was more he could learn about Jesus Christ. And he was praying that that church would continue to increase in the knowledge of God. We're to keep adding. And we do that through discipline and through dedication. We're going to do a lesson tonight. Uh, again, just to, to refresh, a little sprinkling. It's time to start washing the windows outside. It's time to get the, get the weeds you know, there's weeds that are like hair in your ear. You know, you can't, hair won't grow anywhere else, but it'll grow on your ears and on top of your ears and on top of your nose. And you wish it'd grow on your head again, but it won't, but it'll grow in places. There's weeds that are like that. We well, got to go in there and pull them out in the spring, somebody, right? You got to get those out of there. Got a little spring cleaning, get ready to face We're going to have a little spring cleaning lesson tonight. Everybody get, get back on page on how to have a quiet time, how to study the Word, how to have an effective Daily quiet time. And one of two of the things it takes, friend, is this. It takes discipline and it takes dedication. Paul says, I'm praying that you'll have a deeper understanding of God's Word. And number two, he was praying for their daily obedience to God's Word. Friend, listen. A, a, a 
I talked to a dear sister the other day that, bless her heart, she's, she's got a sinus infection. It's been just giving her fits. Just giving her fits. And it's, listen, the trees are starting, I saw a Bradford pear starting to bloom in my front yard. And, uh, you know, they're pretty for about three days, just enough to give you a sinus infection, and then they're gone. That's just the way they are. And so the old pharmacy is going to be loaded up here pretty soon with people that are getting sinus infections. It, it happens this time of year. And some of you, you know, you'll get that. You've got the sinus infection. The doctor writes your prescription. But listen to me. It's not going to do you any good just to leave it sitting on the counter. For that, for that prescription, for that medicine to benefit your body, you have to internalize it. And you have to let it, you have to let it go to work. You have to do what the doctor says to do. And listen, for you to get the benefit of God's Word, you have to be a doer of it. And so Paul says, I'm praying for your obedience to God's will. He says, verse number 10, I'm praying that you, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him and being fruitful. You see, knowing and stowing and showing, they, they go together. It's not enough just to know God's Word and to hide it in our hearts. We have to show it through daily obedience, by being obedient to the Word. There's no separation between learning and living. They go together. And I've known people that love, they love Bible studies, and you know, I just love a good Bible study, and I'm thankful for that. But friend, listen, that's just one part of it. You have to put it together. James 1.22 says we're not just to be learners of the Word, but we're to be doers of the Word. That's, that's where the benefit comes. Listen to me. Hell's going to be full of people who knew how to be saved. They heard the gospel, but they never obeyed the gospel. They never repented and trusted Jesus to be Lord of their life. Have you done that? You'll dare run into somebody that was really born here in the South that doesn't know that Jesus died on the cross and you've got to trust Him to be Lord of your life. But have you done that? Have you truly repented and trusted Christ to be Lord of your life? These people had. And now Paul's praying that the Word that they continued to receive, they would, they would live out every day. They would put it into shoe leather. Verse number 10, that they would walk worthy of the Lord. That is, as we were, as we're to be His ambassador. And we, we looked at that last Sunday night. Paul was writing to a very troubled church in Corinth. And Paul says, we're, we're saved. My purpose in life is, is, is that I'm a child of God. But one of the responsibilities of being a child of God is I'm to be His ambassador. And here Paul is doing that again. In prison, he's continued to, to reach those for Jesus Christ. He's writing letters to Christians who are troubled to encourage them and help them in their, in their faith. He's living a life that's worthy of the Lord. His sacrifice, what, what He did for us. I mean, can you, can you imagine, you know, you're, you go back to visit your mom and she's, uh, she's made this beautiful turkey on Thanksgiving, and uh, this will always wake a few people up when you begin to talk about food. There's, a, there's a, a turkey, big pan of cornbread dressing, whipped mashed potatoes, gravy with the little giblets in there, you know, and pieces of boiled egg floating around in there. There's the cranberry dressing with the sides of the imprint of the can on the side of it. It's getting good, isn't it? Got the rolls, candied yams, Green beans, uh, not the green bean casserole with the, the onions on top of it. The goat wouldn't eat that. But, but the good, good green beans, pumpkin pies everywhere. And he's like, Mom, this, 
this looks great. And she's like, well, get you a plate. And so you go right outside the door, and you get the dog's food bowl. And you come in, and you begin to make your plate on the dog's food bowl. You say, well, that's, that's craziness. Your mom works so hard on all that. No, you get the good plate. I mean, it's the, it's the one time of the year that you get to use the, the china, the good stuff. The meal that they created is worthy of the best thing that you could serve in them. Friend, I want to tell you something. The death and the life, the life that Jesus lived, the death that he died, it is worthy of the best life that we can live for him. Not some second best, whatever's convenient, I'll do it. He deserves my all. He deserves that. Paul says, I'm praying that you'll learn the Word and that you'll obey the Word, that you'll walk worthy of the Lord. Not because you're afraid God's going to zap you or because you're afraid the preacher's going to come down on you, but because you love Him. And you want to show Him how proud you are to be His child. You want to to walk worthy of Him. You, you, You want to live a life that's fully pleasing. You want to do it in such a way that it honors His name. Paul says to the church in Philippi, Philippians 2 and verse number 5, let this mind that was in Christ Jesus dwell in you also, to think like Christ, to speak like Christ, to act like Christ, and always because mimicry is one of the greatest forms of honor. I don't, I don't want to be myself. I don't want to be like some other pastor, some other you know, rock star Christian leader. And people are so impressionable. You, you can see it today. You watch music, even Christian music. I remember years ago, young preachers, they'd comb their hair away, some other preacher combed it, or they'd try to preach or pull their britches leg back away, some other preacher. Friend, listen, don't, don't try to imitate anybody else but Jesus Christ. Let Him live the life He wants to through you. That's the greatest form of honor. And in that, he says, we seek to fully please Him. We're living in a day where people are so controlled with what other people think. You know, we'll keep everybody happy. I've dealt with that since I've been in ministry. We just, well, I just want everybody to be happy. If you, listen, if you make Christ happy, you're not going to make everybody else happy. It's never going to happen. Everybody's not going to be happy. It doesn't matter if everybody else is happy. As long as Jesus is happy. I've heard before, you know, if, if, if mama's happy, everybody's happy. We don't, don't care if mama's happy. I don't care if my wife's happy. I don't care if my kids are happy. I care if Jesus is happy. And if Jesus is happy, if they're right related to Christ, then they'll all be happy. I'm never worried about whether the church is going to be happy. If the church is rightly related to Christ, if Christ is happy, then the church is going to be happy. If you're not rightly related to Christ, friend, there's nothing that's going to make you happy. Therefore, you're one of those joyless Christians that's always mad and your face is always turned upside down about something. And so Paul says, I'm praying that you will have daily obedience to the Word, and you'll seek to please Him. Because don't forget, these Gnostics were like, oh no, you've got to believe this, you've got to do this. Rome was saying, no, you've got to do this, you're not going to buy, sell, or trade. And Paul was trying to encourage him for the long fight that was ahead of him. Friend, I want you to listen to me. We've got some peace right here, right now. And we're going to do a study maybe next week or the week after Ezekiel 38. We're going to look about what, that one day, friend, listen, Russia's going to invade. Russia's going to invade Israel one day. The Bible says they're going to come south. We're going to look at what the Bible says in Ezekiel 38. So there are things that are beginning to happen. As you look at prophecy in the end times, I'll tell you a country that you don't see, and it's the United States of America. There's going to be tough times that are going to come to our country at some point. It's going to happen. 
And we've got to make a decision, friend, that it's, it's our response to the Word that's going to keep us moving forward seeking to please Christ and to please Him alone. Well, the third thing that Paul prayed for them was their developed character by God's Word. That they would know the Word, they'd have a deeper understanding, they would daily obey it. But the result of that would be a developed character by God's working in their lives. Please look at your Bibles. Look what the Bible says again in verse number 10. It says, you may walk, walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. As I know God's Word, as I stow God's Word in my heart, something's going to happen as I obey it. There's going to be fruit that's going to begin to develop spiritually in my life. Jesus says in John chapter 15, I'm the vine and you are, you're the branches. So we don't bear fruit. He bears fruit through us. It's the branch isn't important. It's the vine, friend, that does the work through the branch and makes the fruit. And so as we yield ourselves to, to the Lord, as we are abiding in Him, because again, Jesus says in John 15, verse number 5, without me you can do nothing. He works through us, but He has to make the branch first. And so Paul's praying, don't miss this, that these young Christians will begin to bud into young branches. Through their knowledge of the Word and their obedience in the Word, they're going to begin to grow. The farmer prunes his apple tree every year. And one of the first things that happens in spring is those, those new little branches begin to grow out. And then all of those branches become buds, and those buds turns into flowers, and the flower turns into fruit. And the fruit later becomes a, an apple pie, praise the Lord, in the fall. But it all first starts off, first off, because a branch is grown. And it takes time for that to happen, he has to make the branch first. And friend, there is a clear pattern in Scripture of God preparing the worker for the work. As we've been, just a few months ago, we were in the book of First and Second Samuel. We saw after Samuel, after the kingdom had passed from Saul, God called Samuel to go find the next king. And he went and found David, and he anointed David. But it was many years until David sat on the throne. God had to deal with David. It was out in the desert, running from Saul, growing, that God began to prepare him for the work that would later happen. Uh, you've been reading through the book of Exodus. Eighty years Moses took uh, for God to develop him into the work that would happen through him. Saul had to go to Arabia. And so God had to prepare these Christians, and he has to prepare you. He has to prepare me. And it's a work that never really stops. And so he begins to develop within us Christian character that we might bear fruit, that he might bear fruit through us. And so the more of us he gets through surrender, the more he can do through us. And so Paul understood from personal experience that the more Scripture he knew and the more Scripture he obeyed, the more God could work in him and the more that God could work through him. Well, look at how some of the fruit he begins to pray for. Verse 11, he says... I'm praying that you'll be strengthened with all might uh, according to His glorious power. Uh, it's, it's God's power that empowers us for ministry. It's one of the things that Jesus says the church was to, to wait for. After He died, He was in the grave for three days. He rose from the grave. Forty days He ministered. The church was to pray for ten days. And then on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 1-8, Jesus promised, and you shall receive power. There's power that they needed for ministry, and that power is really a person. 
It's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. And so all of the miracles that the, uh, the Apostle Paul accomplished that we saw in the book of Acts, it was God doing them through him. It was God's power that was working through him. He says, I'm praying that you'll be strengthened with all of that might according to his glorious power. I'm praying that he'll work in you and develop in you Christian character that looks like Christ. He says in all of these victories, he said they're greater than any of those miracles. Don't you listen to me. When God makes you look less like you and more like Jesus Christ, the Word of God says, friend, it's greater than when God parted the Red Sea. It's greater than any miracle that Jesus ever performed for a person. It's greater than any miracle you can hear any Pentecostal after midnight on TV talking about that they've performed that they really didn't. He says it's greater than any of those things. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 32 says. It says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. God says someone who is able to have victory in their spirit over Satan's oppression of their life to try to pull them away from the Lord, he says they're greater than any miracle that any person could ever work. He says, and so I'm praying that you'll have that kind of power released in your life. I'm praying, first off, he says that you'll begin to have patience. Look at verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to the glorious power for all patience. They needed endurance. They needed steadfastness. They needed a, a commitment that they would not be swerved. Why? Because Rome was persecuting them. They were facing hardship. Everybody that wasn't a Christian was saying, man, you guys are the only people that are suffering. And the only people the Gnostics are attacking are you. So if you just quit serving Jesus and be like us, everything would be okay. And Paul says, I pray that you'll not develop that quit attitude, but that you'll keep moving forward in all patience. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and verse 58. Paul again prayed for this troubled church at Corinth. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. He says, you, you may think that your faithfulness isn't making an impact. Paul says it is. I'm praying that you'll have patience, and it's something that God develops in you. It's something that He does. It's a fruit that comes about. As you know God's Word and you obey God's Word, God develops in you patience. He says, I'm also praying that God will develop within you long-suffering with joy. Uh, that that long-suffering spirit is self-restraint. Not to be revengeful. My goodness, I mean, people are so angry today. I mean, if you don't, if you don't drive 15 miles over the speed limit, I'm telling you, listen, when I go home, I'm riding Highway 60, I feel like I told Sunday school class this this morning, connection class, I, felt like, I, I feel like I'm towing people to church and back home. If you're not going 15 miles over, friend, listen, they're going to blow your doors off when they pass you. Just, I'm going to get you. We live in such a revengeful world, and that's a mark of the flesh. I'm going to let them have it. No, a fruit of the Spirit, friend, a fruit of of the Lord's work that He grows in our life as we know His Word and we obey His Word, as He develops within us a, a self-restraining attitude, slowness to avenge works. Galatians 5.22, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Power to respond, led by the Spirit, a response to adversity that honors Christ. That's always the question to ask. Is my response going to glorify Jesus Christ? Is this going to point people into a deeper relationship with Him? At home, in the work, in the church. 
And I want to remind you, friend, the lost world's watching. You know, you ask, you ask people, you know, who work in the food business, who the meanest people are that they serve and what day it is, and they'll tell you it's the church crowd that comes in after 12 o'clock. The nastiest, smart-alecky, well, I'm not even going to go, but that's who it is. It's because you don't have a long-suffering spirit. You know, you're, you're not, you don't know the Word, you're not submitted to the Word. And the third thing, he says, I pray that you, your life will be marked by, by joy, long-suffering with joy. Nehemiah 8.10, the, the, the joy of the Lord is my strength. One of the things that David wanted after he prayed Psalm 51 was that God would restore to him the joy of his salvation, God's salvation. The God, David wanted that joy again. I'm going to ask you something this morning. Do you, do you have joy? I'm not, I didn't ask you if you're happy. I'm not happy that gas is $3.69 a gallon. I'm not happy that power bills are up. I'm not happy about the political climate the condition of our country. But I want to tell you something, friend. There, none of those things that are happening in the world can ever affect the joy that I have in my life because my joy is not in happenings. My joy is in a person. It's in Jesus Christ. And the only person, friend, that can allow that to be stolen is me. I can give the devil access to steal that. Paul says, I'm praying that you'll continue. The Romans attacking you. Though the Gnostics are giving you a, a headache, he says, I pray that you'll continue to know God's Word, you'll obey God's Word in such a way that you'll allow the Lord con to continue to develop joy within your life. But not only that, your life will be marked by thankfulness. Look at verse number 12. He says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints of light. He says, I know you don't like what Rome's doing. You can't buy, sell, or trade unless you say Caesar's Lord, and you're not going to do that. He says, I know these Gnostics are just causing trouble. And it's difficult. you got people coming in the church, out of the church, in the church, out of the church. One Sunday it's packed, one Sunday it's not. This crowd's got their nose out of joint. That church is, I'm thinking about ministry today. Uh, he said, you, you're going to have all those things that you're dealing with. He says, but I'm praying that in the midst of all that, you'll still give thanks for one of those things that none of those situations can change. He says that you've got Jesus Christ, and one of these days, friend, he's going to come and take you to heaven, whether by grave or air. He says none of those things can be affected by that. You see, a thankful heart, friend, a thankful heart always shows that there are seeds of discouragement that have not taken root in that heart. We all get discouraged but we continue to go to the Lord and allow Him to uproot that discouragement and we find our strength in the joy of the Lord and we're thankful for who we are and what we have in Jesus Christ. Well, I close this morning with this. Paul knew Satan was at work to keep those disciples at Colossae broken, dysfunctional, and unusable. He began to pray for them. Listen to me. This is, I know, this is where we mentally check out. You know, we're done for the service. This is the most important part of the service. It's the invitation. It's our response to the Word. Not what somebody else is going to do, but God, how am I going to respond to your Word? To a church that was facing a lot of difficulty and challenges and satanic opposition, Paul prayed that that church would know God's Word and have a deeper understanding of it. He prayed that daily they would obey that Word. And he prayed that their sincere desire was to see Jesus work in their lives and God to start growing them into the person that looked less like them and more like Jesus Christ in all ways. And I'm telling you, Satan wants those same things for us that he wanted for Colossae. 
And I want you to know this, friend. Jesus wants those things, same things for us that he wanted for Colossae. And the choice this morning is really this. Do you want God's will to be accomplished in your life or the devil's will to be accomplished in your life? That's really what it comes down to at invitation time. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Now, I want you to listen to me this morning. If you died today, are you 100% certain you'd go to heaven? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. No one's looking around. If you died today, are you 100% certain that you'd go to heaven? Is there truly a moment in your life that you could point God to where you repented of your sin and by faith you trusted Christ to be Lord of your life? If there's not, friend, you need to be born again. You need to trust Jesus today to be Lord of your life as you turn from all your sin and you turn from yourself. It's a simple truth. The church at Colossae had to do it. Paul had to do it. Luke had to do it. John had to do it. I had to do it. And you'll have to do it. If you've never done it, won't you do that this morning? And just tell him so in a simple prayer of faith. Pray just like this. God, forgive me, a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I turn from all my sin. And I want Jesus to come live in my heart and be Lord of my life. That's my prayer today. I'm turning from sin to Jesus. Save me from my sins. Be Lord of my life. Did you pray that prayer? Did you mean it with all your heart? I want to invite you to make your way forward in just a minute. I want to encourage you in what God wants to do next in your life. But I want to ask you today, what area of your life is Christ not Lord over? Are there parts of your life that Jesus is not Lord over today? Then turn away from that. Are you spending time in His Word each day? Are you obeying His Word? Do you have fruit that's growing? What's He convicting you of right now? Let Him have His way. Father, Paul prayed for a church at Colossae. I pray for this one. God, I pray that Your Word would dwell richly in us. I pray this will be a church family that daily, Lord, seeks to know more of Your truths. I pray this will be a church that seeks to obey Your Word in all things. God, I pray this will be a church that you work in because of our response to your word and you grow those Christ-like marks of holiness in our lives. You'll see it and a lost and dying world will see it. You'll be glorified above it all. That's our prayer. Now, Father, whatever you desire to do in men and women's hearts, I pray it will be accomplished now. In Christ's name, we ask these things. Let's reverently stand to our feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.